Hello, and welcome to episode 123 of Relics of Ore. Uh, hopefully, we can get around our technical difficulties and various distractions like lawnmowers and cats running around the room. Um, not same place or situation. Uh, joining me today, hopefully, is Spirit. How's it going? Hello, everyone. It's it's going. And we have our fingers crossed that it will stay that way. Indeed. Uh, and uh, with us once again is Evie. How's it going over there? Can you imagine if the cats running around in the lawnmower were in the same place? I realized that right as I said that. I'm like, this sounds like a very strange arrangement. Um, but... Uh, yeah, anyway, it uh that you know, it'd be a lot more interesting than the news this week, to be perfectly honest, which is to <laughs> say uh that there is none. So uh a little bit. In so much as there is anything to talk about, uh I guess it's time to just move straight into our rotating cog section. Yeah. No patch Tuesdays. Give me something to kill already. You know what they say, a patchless Tuesday amasses nothing to talk about. Uh, so the patch is coming up this Tuesday. Uh, do we have a name for that? Entanglement. 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 There you go. Which, you know, has uh, suggestive uh, themes, I suppose, which makes sense with given the whole jungle, jungle vines, all that jazz. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's kind of strange. It's kind of funny. I, I sort of expect points of interest to be every week, even though I know that it's not. Um because I actually kind of like that show, even though it's kind of silly. Um, I just, I was on Friday, I was like, oh man, I missed points of interest today. Oh, ah, never mind. Ah, no big deal. Um, I don't know, how much, do you, have you guys watched that at all? Not yet, but I get really confused because people will be like, oh, Kate did such and such on the podcast, and I'm like, excuse me? <laughs> I said, what now? Yeah. It's not me, spoiler alert. Other it's Kate. Confusing. Yeah, yeah. Someday, someday spirit. Maybe. Someday you two will be her. She. Grammar. Um, what? <laughs> never mind. I, I can't grammar. It's fine. Um, so there's some stuff in the notes, and I don't really know what people are talking about. So, Evie, why don't you talk about the tiny changes since the last patch? Since the last patch, people have been noticing, like, as time progresses... What in the world was that noise? Anyway, as time progresses, that certain things are happening in the world, particularly vines have been popping up near waypoints, most notably in Fort Mariner. There is now a vine by that waypoint, and people have been climbing it, and I I don't know. So my guess is there's just like, a creeping influence thing going on with Mordromoth. Yeah, see, I think... I actually really like those types of changes. I think that... Um, and we sort of talked about this earlier with some of the stuff um, with regard... And I'm trying to remember exactly which patch it was, but there were some of the patches in Living Story Season 1 where there were sort of prelude in between patch changes that were very small that sort of gave a hint of, Oh, it was for uh, the, the, tower. the tower of nightmares. Right. And you know how things disappeared or for it, like trees were starting to like disappear and things like that. And, like, and I building think that's up, like the building materials just coming out of nowhere. Right. And I think, I think that's a really cool way to sort of 
improve community engagement in between patches to get people speculating because mm-hmm. they've said it before like they they love they feel like they've done a good job when they can create an environment where people are interested in what is happening and interested in what's about to happen and start creating good speculation on it um and i and i would agree i think that's healthy for the game to be able to be able to have speculation that's founded in hints that they drop um whether or not it's accurate is kind of irrelevant it sort of just generates that sort of that interest level it it, like it gets you thinking about the game instead of just watching it or reading it or whatever and and speaking of watching something people have been watching casimir and apparently she's slowly been changing yeah i haven't noticed that at all that was really interesting I'm, i'm pulling up that thread right now um it's so you want to go over the changes on that i'm not familiar with like the entire list uh huh. But I have noticed, like, just visually, that her colors have been changing. Like her outfit is—it it used to be like goldish, and mm-hmm. now it's slowly like losing its hue. It's turning white more and more. Yeah. One thing that somebody's saying here is that her um, speech bubble is was like dark and purpley reddish instead of white, and that that wasn't normal i don't know let's see that's oh, like no, a bug yeah somebody like... was saying actually that you're that that changes depending on if you're in combat and things like that so maybe not that one but um yeah i mean that'd be really cool that'd be a really again it's yet another interesting way of doing like small subtle things that that lead up to um potential you know big hints for the future and it really it really creates those great moments if and when they come to fruition that you know you can say well we were right about all these hints you know this is um you know like look at look at all these things that we've been speculating on and you you know they actually came true or they were close you know things like that um yeah i think that's really cool i love i love when people can find those little things and when it's obvious that they've put them in um go ahead and back to the speculation bit her armor set when it was released on the gem store was called the phoenix set and i'm like as this little change thing is happening i'm starting to tie it more to like the legend of the phoenix which most people will probably know as jean gray (laughs) or from harry potter (laughs) maybe note we are well aware that the Phoenix is not something created by X-Men and Harry Potter. To all you listeners out there who might think we're some sort of young heathens. <laughs> um, and I, I really want to see Casimir become that figure. Because that would be amazing. That could be cool. And that is one hell of a hint to drop so early. Where, like, people just didn't think about it back then. And speaking of becoming a prominent feature, uh, apparently a mysterious centaur figure is watching the players in Dry Top. It's featured prominently in the teaser trailer. You want to talk about that, Spirit? Uh, Sure, as soon as I'm done being handed handed uh, painter's tape. The (laughs) mysterious figure, yes. Uh... (laughs) Not much to say other than it's a clue towards future stuff that's been noticed in Dry Top. It was actually further back, kind of off the map, and they've moved it 
forward to be more prominent so more character and more people can notice it which means it's going to be something that might okay i'll just say this the last mysterious figure we saw turned out to be scarlet we all know how that ended so i'm just gonna say it might be something that is going to be impactful in the future i'm really hoping they go in the opposite direction from scarlet because people just took her so horribly later on and well in like, what yeah, way would this- you say the in what way would you say opposite direction? Like in, like, in which in which aspects, I guess? Like, Scarlet was a bad guy. This is actually a good guy. Okay. Cause... So you want this to just be like a mysterious good figure? Mm-hmm. Because, and this is where I put my tinfoil hat on. Exactly. And this is around the area where Ventari had most of his influence. It's true. I would be about having friendly centaurs, but I don't think it's gonna happen. In the in the the trailer for Entanglement, the very first scene is a centaur blowing a warhorn and them like charging down a They could be charging towards vines, we don't know that. Yeah, but I feel like we showed up in their territory. Like, you know, in in typical Guild Wars fashion, we pop into their lands and then murder all of them. (laughs) You're not wrong. I mean, (laughs) it's it's literally been happening for thousands of years. Yeah, I mean, it's tradition at this point. I mean, humans humans started it and it's just kind of spiraled out of control since. Yeah. Yeah. So, anyway. Well, anyway, it's interesting. Um, speaking of tinfoil hat, do you want to you want to talk about those data mine models? I don't. I don't know if our show has a policy about data mine models. I don't care. Um, <laughs> I I am of the personal opinion that if it's on a subreddit, it's like free game to talk about, unless it's like yeah. an obvious exploit that they're really trying to pull down or something. But it's out there. Stop People it. have seen it. Like, so you want to talk about that? You got some tinfoil hat stuff I hear, Evie. Okay, the main thing I have tinfoil hat on is this data mind render slash model from that shaman of a dog. Or, well, what was once a dog? I'm not really sure if it's a dog anymore. And this thing has a planticite, trademark pending, <laughs> on its spine. Okay. And... Like, looking at the picture, the, like, chest cavity is completely empty, and, like, the skull and the spine have been raised a bit, and the plant is on top of it, and it's, like, sitting right where the brainstem would start, and then just, like, going down the spine. And then the lower part of the dog looks like it's almost still kind of alive, because it's fleshy. But there's, like, plant fibers going all around it. And because of this, I've come up with the theory that Mordramoth does not gain control of things through, like, some kind of Reaper indoctrination type thing like Zaitan did. Instead, or, or the Crystal or uh, Kralkatoric. Mm-hmm. Yeah, instead, he has... These planticides, trademark pending, 
infect hosts, and as soon as they become strong enough, they burst forth in some violent manner, no, no doubt, and take control of their nervous system directly. I'm all about this. I'm all about planticides. I think that is a great theory. They've said in the past, um, each elder dragon has its own way of corrupting, sort of. Exactly. Uh, so I'm I'm all about that as a method of corrupting. Good job, Evie. I like your tinfoil. Yeah, I'll give a plus one to that. That's pretty good. I dig it. Um... So I guess, speaking of increasing our uh, numbers of approval, there is uh, apparently some claims that in China, uh, 3.8 million copies have been sold for Guild Wars 2, um, which is interesting. ArenaNet apparently claims that these figures are not accurate. Which probably means that they're too low. If not, they wouldn't <laughs> say that. Yeah, I feel like I feel like that's true. Um... <laughs> I feel like they'd be celebrating, though, if it was. Like, they'd be like, oh, yeah, 7 million. You're so big. Go us. Like it, It's kind know. of a double-edged sword, though, because the more popular something is in the Eastern market usually dictates the less popular it is in the Western market. I mean, it's all a matter of perspective, because World of Warcraft is huge in Asia. Like, there are... So many millions of people. You're absolutely right, but anyone that follows World of Warcraft it, knows right. that, like, without like any sort of bias, would know that as World of Warcraft gains popularity in China, it's been losing subscribers in the West. And it's sure, like, that's true, but people still tout out the total number of subscriptions that they have, and that's like a large portion due to China. It. It's like what, almost seventy percent China now. Or I think has, so. It's even more than that by now. I don't. I don't really. I don't follow WoW close enough to know that, but I do know that they had, well, like seven million Chinese subscriptions alone, if not like before. Yeah, I don't know. A lot. It's a big number. Um, which is funny because Guild Wars Two might be hitting close to that number if it does well in China, which. Yeah. Everything points to yes. Yeah. Yeah, it's interesting. Um again, it's it's speculation it like at most. It's it's hard to say. I don't know where they would have gotten those numbers from. Um but whatever. In the original link, uh which was on I have a couple things to say about the original link, I guess. First of all, it was posted on a not Guild Wars two subreddit. It was on games i think i think it was, on, yeah, it was games yeah games yeah uh the guild wars 2 community did a fantastic job of representing the game outside of our community uh just in a very polite and non-fanboyish which really yeah, blew my mind i was really impressed like looking through the comments with how well people treated the game and you know, both inside and outside the community, where the community members were saying, you know, if you haven't been here for a while, come back. It's changed a lot. Just just come check it out. There's all this new stuff going on. People are going, oh, that sounds really cool. So, yeah, you know, and, and asking legitimate questions about it instead of being antagonistic one way or the other, like, oh, I left because I, that game sucks, blah, blah, blah. Or, you know, I'm just happy that good, uh, 
good communication around the game is fostered outside of the community as well as within it. So, yay, good job, everyone. Yeah. Uh, the other, what was the other thing? Oh, uh, they pulled the information from the publisher in Guild Wars 2 in China. They did a second census and broke it down by server population, apparently. Interesting. Mm. Oh, there was a, a last thing. If these numbers are true, it effectively means that since the launch of Guild Wars 2 in China in May, if these numbers were accurate, the number of copies sold would have approximately doubled. Which is nuts. <laughs> you mean like uh for for like in total? Yes. Yeah. I mean again, China's huge. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like China yeah, has three true. times as many people as America. <laughs> or more. I don't even know anymore. But you know, it's uh that's a big market. It's a real big market. It's very understandable why they would develop some efforts into um you know porting it over there it's a huge number of people mm -hmm. um so speaking of the real world uh apparently there's been some structural changes to the living world and the teams that make it uh spirit you want to talk about that uh, sure. So, what had been happening during Season 1 is that there were four Living World teams consisting of a few people each, and they would craft releases in order so that each team would put out a release every four releases. And that would give, like, the time in between it would give them the time to prepare their next release. But that led to sort of inconsistencies a fluctuation in the quality of patches and kind of a lack of coherence because you know different people were doing each one and while there was uh, a main overarching storyline it was definitely not as coherent as it could have been yeah well uh, and you definitely and got things where like people would notice that you know they people would have sort of their people that were at least paying close attention would have their own like favorite patch teams you know um yeah. like josh foreman was really big was like basically his team was really popular with a lot of people um you know people loved the one that did the festival of four wins yeah. um you know yeah things like that um so anyway continue or well, is there much I'd... to continue yeah i guess basically the it's come out now through the forums that ArenaNet has condensed the four Living World teams into one, consisting of just over twenty people. Uh, well, and that includes devs. Art I think that's I and... think that's minimum. I think because they didn't they say also that you know it can the, it can fluctuate and get yeah. I think she said, I'm looking at it right now, I think she said it could fluctuate, but yeah, she says there are just a little over 20 people on it at any given time. Yeah, that's crazy to me. Um, How many people does Ana employ now? Because last I heard, it was like well over 300. Last I yeah, heard, it was like 350. was the estimate I heard last. 350. Um, so, I mean, I guess that makes me wonder if this this cycle that we had of end of a season then a content patch then 
a break for a couple months. Because what was the break? The break was about two months, right? I think so. Yeah, so, like, a break for a couple months is sort of their plan for making making this sustainable with a smaller number of people that, you know, they can say, well, you know, that's all the lead time this team needs, both because of maybe a shorter season and also um, that they're more experienced at making it and things like that. Uh, you know, so if that will be the pattern, because I know that they've said that there will be another feature patch in the future um and also simultaneously that the arcs would be tighter and shorter and so maybe that's maybe that's sort of their plan for having that all come together is to have you know uh three uh three four month period of a story arc and then a feature patch and then a break while they sort of catch up i wouldn't be surprised to see like the story go on and then the patch before Christmas to be the feature patch and then there's the break during the holidays and then they come back in like late January, early February. Yeah, that makes sense. I guess it depends on how long the... Because we we have no idea how long season two is going to be, do we? Nope. Right. Yeah, that's sort of what I meant. Like if... You know. But but, because they did say that they were talking about like shorter arcs, right? Yeah. Um... So maybe it's four months, maybe it's six months. Who knows? Um, but I would say clearly it's not going to be a full year. Season one was a little over a year, no? Yeah, it well, was. I mean, yeah, so anything under a year is going to be shorter than season one, but we don't know how short shorter is going to be. Yeah, but I, I I think it's fair to say that it probably won't be a full year. Because uh, that doesn't say to me shorter, tighter arcs to be a full year as opposed to like a year and three months. Right. Um. But again, we don't we don't have any more information than sort of vague things that we've been told, so it's hard to make any, you know. But it's fun to speculate. It'll be interesting to see how it goes. For their like, I really hope it works out for them for their sake, because that seems like a lot of work for twenty people to be able to keep up that two week release. And yeah, if they need to take that break, I hope they do for the sake of the dev team. Yeah. So I think it'd be fun, kind of funny, like from a well, marketing standpoint, to be like, we put out content every two weeks, seventy-five percent of the time. Well, the the thing is, what I'm saying is not that the, it's a break for the devs; it's that that's how long it takes them to get enough content. So, like, say that two months gives mm-hmm. them basically two months worth of patches, and then while those two months of patches are happening, then that's when they make the next two months, oh, and then yeah, after yeah. four or five months, they've now caught up it's like when an anime catches up to the manga and they have to take a break um <laughs> oh please no filler in Guild Wars <laughs> no well, that's what i'm saying but then they just take a break right that's that's yeah. what we got we got a we got a content patch and a break and presumably they weren't taking a break they were chambering up season two um which also sort of would lend some credence to you know a four to six month release cycle um Otherwise, I feel like the break would have had to have been longer. Wait, wait, wait. Hold on. We do get filler. It's the feature patches. I don't know that feature patches are filler. <laughs> <laughs> like, feature patches are a big deal. Yeah. They're, they're important to character development. <laughs> <laughs> they're important to player development. Are you kidding me? <laughs> player character oh. development. 
<laughs> yeah, but um, anyway, I think that's interesting. I'm kind of surprised, but um, I feel like it begs the question of what are they doing with the rest of their staff? Um, oh, like over 200 of them? Three Over 300? If there's 20 people at a time, I'm fairly certain they've said that there's at least 350 people working there. Like... That's over 300 people not working on Living Yeah, Story. but, like, a hundred of them are just food people and janitors and stuff, obviously. I don't think that's true. That was sarcasm. Okay. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but seriously, uh, you know, tinfoil hat, we always like to talk about expansions because everybody universally agrees that we need an expansion. Um that's not true. Not everybody does, but <laughs> it'll be Everyone does agree that we need to have an expansion's worth of content. I guess that's true. Um, yeah, I'd love to see what they're coming up with um, and how long, like how, how long it would take them to develop an expansion's worth of content with 300 people working on just that. Um, I want to say that the lead design team for factions was a little less than 80 people. I could be completely wrong, though. I think it's less than that, actually. Um, I know that the original Guild Wars' staff size was very small for what you would have expected, and they were able to pump out content at a ridiculously fast rate. Um and I don't think anybody's really expecting to be able to put, pump out that much content just because of things like the maps are way harder to test and like build because of the verticality element where in Guild Wars they were, you know, fixed paths and, you know, knee-high fences. Well, and instance <laughs> too, but I mean, just like knee-high fences and stuff, if nothing else, that makes like map design a lot easier to, to test. Mm. Um, and... You know, all their quests were text only, which is fine, um, and things like that. So, like, they they definitely had some factors that make it easier to develop content, but they also worked at a, a pace that, frankly, burned out the studio. Um, but yeah, I don't know. It'll be interesting. I feel like I don't know. I I personally feel like this game absolutely needs an expansion, like within a year or like in a year i would say that if it's gone another year and we don't have an expansion it's gonna gonna be some serious problems yeah yeah which is nothing to disparage the game but you know there's only so long you can go i agree up to the point that i don't think it needs to be a boxed expansion it just needs to be like oh hey we have like a new race and more weapons and skills and maps and stuff mm-hmm. I wouldn't even mind I would love to see it incorporated into the living story not like release to the living story but have this huge like build up through the living story and then we punch through the cantha and then the whole continent is open to us instead of just saying hey you get this part of this zone this week and next week we'll give you the next part because I I've, I've been playing a lot of Skyrim lately in my time off of Guild Wars 2 and I think one of the things I miss most is being able to like go into an area and explore and not be told where or where I cannot go because of 
things, you know? No, this I is why you find ways through like, terrain. Like, Skyrim is a little bit extreme. <laughs> like, I feel like I can't compare Skyrim to most MMOs in terms of exploration, because obviously there's going to be uh, the level cap or whatever. I can't compare, like, the holy grail of exploring games to not. Yeah. But I miss that feeling. Um, yeah, and and it was quite a while ago, but we, we talked about that, about, you know, would you prefer living story or box expansions? And at the time, you know, it was sort of a half joke, but sort of semi-serious. I said, why not both? Which is to mm-hmm. say, I think the living story is a really cool way to tide you over between expansion content and then to lead into a story expansion. You know, to like, you get that time to set up the story of the expansion so it doesn't just drop out of nowhere and you're like, Shiro who? Um, <laughs> you know, uh, yeah, I, I think it's really, it's one of those side effects of the system that can be leveraged to great effect if if they can manage it. And so that would be my, that would be my sincerest hope is that that's what's going to happen. Yeah. Um, you know, that we'll have season two, maybe season three depending on the the length maybe season four if they're four months rather than six months um and then like announcement of an expansion in some form so yeah and wouldn't it be wonderful if like all this setup from mordermoth is just oh hey the next expansion is going to be mordermoth <laughs> deal with yeah? it yeah that would be interesting. Um, <laughs> so many people would be mad, though. He's just like, wait, why did you kill another dragon? No! Yeah. Yeah. It, um... So I guess, I guess we can... I can pick your guys' brain about this. I Like, I've seen discussion both directions about um, having a paid box expansion versus trying to find some way to, like, release it for free or release it piecemeal. Um, I definitely have my own opinions on it. What do you guys think about the various implementations of those things and the pros or cons it, for for a theoretical pseudo expansion? If they want people to pay for it, put it in a box. If they are willing to do it in like free updates, whatnot, then put it in living story somehow in a not so piecemeal fashion. Spirit? I'm not really sure. I I'm one of those people that likes to have a physical copy of things, and so if they dropped an expansion, I would definitely like to have a box. Uh, almost more for the sake of having a box <laughs> than having it delivered in that manner. Even if it's just a box with a piece of paper and a code on it. So, but how do you feel about things like um, uh? whether a new areas should be gated off by a paywall, not for, like, areas like we're getting right now, but if they came out with a full expansion, like, if they came out with Cantha tomorrow, how do you feel about whether or not it would be fair to gate players if they had the expansion or not? Fair or a good idea, I guess. Because I think most people could agree it's not necessarily that unfair that if they release an entire continent, like you have to pay for the expansion because that's how literally every other game in the universe does it. Yeah. But whether or not that is a an okay idea or whether that's too big of a, an issue for people with the way they've built the game. It depends on if they raise the level cap or not. If they don't raise the level cap and playing through Cantha essentially gets you 1 through 80 or whatever, 
or it's just level 80 zones all the way through, then I feel it'll probably split the um, player base a bit. But at the same time, there's mega servers, so that's not really an issue. Yeah, I don't. I really don't know where I stand. I wouldn't mind paying personally. Yeah. Um, I'm not even sure. I don't know how the community would feel about it, to be honest. Yeah. See, I personally think it's okay. Like, I I do not have a problem with gating off that area with a paywall of in the form of an expansion, simply because, like, a ArenaNet needs to make money. Like, that's just a fact of life. And I'm not saying that in a way that, like, they're hurting, just that that's how companies operate. And, you know, that would say, that would, that would be a significant in, investor of their resources. Um, and honestly, I just don't, I don't have a problem with that. Like, if you, I feel like if you are not willing to, like pay for an expansion especially if it's at like the 30 or 40 dollar price range instead of the like 60 dollar um then that's not like i'm not it's not a disparaging thing or it's not bad but at the same time there's a certain degree with like there's only so much you can ask for for free you know what i mean exactly yeah and my biggest thing is because i've been burned in the past with things like this is that the expansion actually has its money's worth. Yeah, that's and that's definitely important. I would absolutely agree that, like, you know... It, like, I don't think anybody can really complain about Guild Wars' expansions. No, absolutely like, not. in terms of value proposition, because there was so much value there They were for basically the their own games. They Well, they absolutely were. They literally were their own games. You didn't have yeah. to have the previous ones until Eye of the North, mm-hmm. but, again... um. Yeah, I I think it's I'm okay with it. Like I would be totally fine with them releasing a paid expansion because if nothing else, like I, I don't know. Yeah, I I I'm fine with give it. Them I, a really I know that a lot of people don't like it. To but... releasing new armor sets that aren't on the gem store. Yeah, that's absolutely true. Yeah, um, and again, like I don't worry about that. Like you know, well, people can't go there unless they've paid i'm like yeah i know and it's like people can't get into tyria unless they've paid like yeah what's your point you know um yeah i don't know it, it's just sort of an interesting little side discussion you know um because that's and i think that's what they mean when they've talked various times about like you know an expansion's worth of content we just haven't decided how we'd want to bundle it you know in the sense like do we want to make it a paid box or because one thing i am against is splitting it up uh, like, I'm totally... I really would not want to have pay for new class or mm-hmm. pay for new continent only or things like that. You know what I mean? Uh, well, new continent's kind of okay because that's, like, a big map area. But, yeah. like, pay for level cap increase, pay for new... Uh... You know, Well, I don't want a level cap increase anyway. But if they were going to do one with an expansion, like, I yeah. don't think it should be piecemeal because... It, it there's would not something be I don't know why it is, but I don't all. know why it is, but there's something special about the fact that it's an expansion. Sort of excuses this concept of it being pay to win, in the sense that like 
it's because it's an expansion. It's... But if you sold those individual parts like separately, people would complain about pay to win because it's like, well, you have to buy this new profession or you have to buy, you know, but like if it comes in an expansion pack, like that's just it's part of the game at that point. It's just the expansion pack. Yeah. Like, but at the same time, really, there is no difference. Like yeah. if it was $10 for the maps, $10 for the new professions, $10 for the new races and $10 for the level cap increase, like that's actually no different than if it was $40 for all of it. It's a marketing but the perception thing. would be but would be wildly different. And I kind of agree. Like I and I like I wouldn't like it because you know, I don't know. Yeah, it it's what it's just it interesting was, to think about. Yeah, I, I agree, but what how would it change if the, you could get the whole bundle or piece by piece? I think the thing for me especially with classes and level increase, is I don't want to incentivize them to sell those, to develop new ones to sell alone. Mm -hmm. Like, I don't, if they they did it that way, I wouldn't want them to then say, okay, we're going to develop the Dervish. Not Nightfall, but we're just going to develop the Dervish for a convenient fee of $10. Like, without any of that other content proposition. Like, I don't... I don't and, like that. And idea. they've done like something similar in the past. When you go look at Guild Wars One, whenever they—I'm not sure how long after they released the expansions—they did this, but you could get the quote PVP pack for each of the expansions, which would unlock the classes and the skills for that expansion without actually giving you access to the continent. And it was much cheaper than the actual expansion. Somewhat. It actually wasn't that much cheaper. It was cheaper, but at least to me, it wasn't that much cheaper. Wasn't the I guess. benefit in the convenience though, in that everything was unlocked yeah. and you didn't have to? Because even if I mean, if you got Nightfall, you would have to go through and unlock all the skills to actually get access to them in PvP. Mm-hmm. But I think the thing is that there are there were definitely people that just only like Guild Wars was a PvP game for them in the sense that that was literally all they did and literally all they cared about. Mm-hmm. And I thought that was a fine compromise to say like. Yeah, we're releasing an expansion, but if really, if you really just want a PvP and you don't want to do any PvE, you can unlock the PvP stuff. Like, which is I mentioned it because I was one of those people when Factions sure. and Nightfall both came out. I didn't actually buy the campaigns; I just got the PvP packs. And see, to me, that's a fair distinction. Like, I'm okay with that because in that game, they were a lot more separated out in in some ways. I mean, I guess they're separated out in this too, but um, like I was okay with that because that was an alternative. Like you couldn't; it's not like you could just buy them to immediately get all the skills and all that stuff in PVE. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, like yes, it gave you access to buy them all from vendors if you did that, I suppose. But I don't think most people that bought the campaign that weren't into PvP bought those packs so that they could unlock skills easier in PvE. You know what I mean? There were people that did it because when you unlocked those I'm, skills, I'm sure there were some, but... It was it was a hero thing, mostly. No one did it for factions, but after heroes really came in their own, people would buy the unlock packs. In fact, I think they sold the skill unlock packs by themselves at one point. What do you mean? Like, there like, were... Um, you could buy skill unlock packs for Core, Prophecies, Factions, Nightfall, and Eye of the North, and it would unlock 
all those skills on your account for both PvE and PvP. And for sure. PvE, that means all your heroes could use them. Yeah, but the unlocking in PvE... Well, yes, you, yeah, your heroes could use them, but it's not quite like how it works in Guild Wars 2 in terms of unlocking. No, no, absolutely you know? not. Yeah, so, like, there, it's it's kind of a weird parallel, but it's it's just interesting to think about. Um, but again, it's kind of it's kind of like how we complain about how all the new armors are gem store. Like, mm-hmm. that would be my biggest issue and fear with having them be separated out, is that it's like, well, look, everybody bought everybody bought the professions part of the expansion and a bunch of people did other ones. So why don't we just develop just professions for money? And like that starts getting, that starts getting really dangerous. I feel like Mm -hmm. in, in terms of, in terms of that aspect, but anyway, just interesting food for thought. Um, especially since there's not much to talk about this week. So I guess I, just kind of going back in the, I, I'm sorry, I'm dragging us back into this discussion because it just occurred to me that if they put stuff on the gem store, they could counter with the argument, well, you can unlock it in-game because you can buy it with gold, which I would absolutely not be on board with, but I think some people would be. Yeah, that's the other question, is like gem store or just physical, like, you need to actually buy it is like another question yeah it's it's very interesting like there's yeah it's there's there's no necessarily like one true answer or anything it's a it's a very interesting yeah just interesting to think about all sorts of things well another interesting thing to think about is i don't i don't know if this is really more like individual person type thing but regina a community manager at ArenaNet recently announced that she would be at GamerX, which is a convention. Um, she is joined by Thomas Abrams, which is, I think, a hiring director or something like that at ArenaNet. And she's going to be on three different panels, and he's going to be on one that I know of. And I think it's interesting because... Anet recently like went to Gamescom or said they were going to Gamescom. They they announced it, yeah, or they have yeah, a, a booking or whatever. And they haven't yeah. been very convention thing going on for quite some time now. And it's nice to see that even if it's not like as a company, the people that work there are at conventions. Well, I will say that with regard to Regina and individuals at at conventions, they actually have been having people at conventions pretty much the whole time. It's just been for not Guild Wars 2 specific things. Like, I know that Regina's been on several panels um, with about, like, community management about um like representation about, uh, like she's she's actually been quite active in those areas um like the whole time um and as well some of their designers um have been on panels about um like general content design or like uh networking tech like a bunch of those things they've actually had people do it's just that they haven't had an official guild wars presence um, even though they've talked about Guild Wars at some of these panels. Um, but 
the Gamescom thing is very interesting to me for that same reason. Is like you said, they haven't had a major presence at the major conventions as a company, um, and you know, they look like they will. You're so. right about the whole individual part. The point I was trying yeah. to make is that it hasn't been very like announced or public. Like they've been there, but it's not been very like in your face about it either. They were just kind of there. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah, that's fair. Do we um, know if they have any PAX plans? I highly we don't. doubt it. You highly doubt they have PAX plans, or you highly doubt that we know that they have PAX plans? I highly plans? doubt they have PAX plans. Even if it is in Seattle. Uh, because of the incidents last year, or because they just probably whoa. won't have PAX plans? Incidents last year? What, are we t- what did I miss? PAX found itself it, in some like, hot water. Should... For, oh, yeah. those yeah. incidents. Okay, I thought you meant like actual Guild Wars incidents. Oh no, no, no! I was no, like, was what, what did packs. I miss about what happened to Guild Wars? Oh, uh, the like, Great Mesmer Uprising of 2013. Guy yeah, back. Well, did you miss it? yeah, apparently. Um, no, okay, I see. You, a bunch of people um, showed up at PAX, which was just like cages and cages of butterflies, and a whole bunch of people got sick. Yeah, it'll be interesting. I don't know whether or not, as a company, they are going to officially distance themselves from PAX. Um, I know that they very intentionally... Well, I say intentionally. I can't imagine it's anything other than very intentional. Do their parties during PAX, just not just next to PAX. Yeah. Um, Like, two blocks away. So... They at least leverage the existence of PAX, but it's hard to tell because they didn't have an official presence there even before the issues. Yeah, they did. Um, they were pretty strong at PAX. No, PAX East. not last year. Oh, though, oh what yeah. I'm saying, like at like they weren't at PAX Prime, and then yeah, there were there were the um you know the 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 great issues of thirteen, but uh, <laughs> the times of troubles. Uh, but they already weren't there, is what I was saying. Like right. at at that year, they obviously were before, because I've like I mean, as a, as a Seattle resident, I've been going to or Seattle area resident, I've been going to PAX every year since '07. So like they've definitely had a big presence there several years. But like you like we've just been talking about, they've sort of gone dark on the convention front for for like a year ish. Um, after release, so. Right, exactly. Yeah. And so it'll be it'll be interesting to see if they have if they have their you know, big Guild Wars two thing. And I think largely that'll depend on the nature of the Gamescom thing. Like if they're just at Gamescom because they're just like, Yeah, like it's been a while or if they actually have some juicy announcement, like an expansion or whatever. Yeah, I mean if they have some big, like juicy PR announcement, I could see them being at PAX Prime again just to leverage that same thing. But I could see it going either way, to be perfectly honest. Well, PAX is coming up. Uh, End of August. Yeah, well, then wouldn't we know? Yeah, usually. I don't think the attendee list is actually is actually like published for PAX yet. Really? Uh, The the company, not necessarily anyway. I would enjoy being pleasantly surprised. I won't lie. Yeah, I, I mean, I don't really care either way. In terms of like, they're gonna I, have their like, party I'm not gonna be upset way, if, so. right? Yeah. I'm not gonna be upset if they don't have an official PAX presence. But I also wouldn't necessarily be surprised, depending on what we know. 
or yeah. or what they say rather. So anyway, oh, go ahead. I just really hope it's some like if there is something to this is like purely speculative. By the way, we're all like, oh, they might be doing a thing where there's might be a thing. I just really hope if it is a thing, it's a big announcement about something we don't know, as opposed to, hey, look, our living story is so great. We're like, we broke seven million copies sold. <laughs> no, please no. no, no, but yes, yeah. I'm, I am actually, I actually really, at, on a personal note, actually don't think we're going to get anything exciting out of Gamescom. I think we're going to get exactly the stuff that we already know. Um, but I'm kind of a cynic. It's probably just because Gamecom is in a, Gamescom is in a month, so yeah. Like I just I can't imagine them being that far ahead of the curve that they'll be able to in a month announce anything important that we don't already know. Um, so, but maybe who knows? You know, who knows? I want to say that like you're absolutely right. Like, they wouldn't be that ahead of the curve. But they've been so silent about what they've been working on for so long now compared to, like, oh, hey, we're not gone. We started work on this other game. We're not sure if it's going to be out within the next three years or, like, next four years or next five years. But we, we're not disappearing. We're working on something. And it's called Guild Wars 2. And then they just, like, go off the map. <laughs> for five years. <laughs> Yeah, that was rough. Um, yeah, we'll see. It'll be great to talk about on the show when it comes out. We can either all wail in our communal disappointment that we all knew was coming, or we can all freak the fug out about some super announcement. That about Mercedes as a playable Who knows? <laughs> uh, um, speaking of uh, enemies of humanity, uh, I think it's time to kill it with violence. Hey guys, Bunker Guardian takes Clock Tower! And then AFKs! What do you do? Kill it with violence! So I guess there's a PvP All-Star Tournament coming up, and something about voting something something? Evie, you seem to know about these things. There's so much smoozing going on with this voting. Going through all the like different forms and whatnot, people. No, 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 no. Okay, explain oh, what it is. Okay. like first <laughs> okay. and foremost, because I actually <laughs> don't know and don't care. So you should tell everybody that's like me, so that we. Okay, ArenaNet apparently is setting up this All Star tournament, and the way they're doing it is they've gotten this list of quote like the best players, which really they are the best players. So, so you know, kudos to them, and. For each region, there's a list. There's Europe and there's North America. And then people can vote on five people that they want to be on each team. The shenanigans that is going on now is that different forums are coming together to vote for just the elementalist mesmers and thieves. (laughs) Yes. There, there's like a very strong sect, or I, I at least hope it's a strong sect that are doing their darndest to keep the guardian, warrior, and necromancer players out of this tournament. Oh, 
that's beautiful. That's like the kind of internet shenanigans that like legends are born from. <laughs> like it's not it's not uh it's not any story writers. It is about opening up democracy to the internet and watching them ruin your universe. <laughs> Like I'm just saying, it's it's true. You know it's true. As yeah. denizens of the internet, you know that anytime democracy is opened, you get bridges named after Stephen Colbert. You get Twitch plays Pokemon. <laughs> you get Twitch plays Pokemon, exactly. Like, the internet cannot be trusted to give you legitimate results, but it can always be counted upon to give you hilarious ones. Well, that's our wheel of morality for today. Wheel of morality, turn, turn, turn. That is the lesson you should learn. Um, and as for CastCast, the podcast, the cast within a cast about the cast of other podcasts and the style of other casts, there is nothing. Nothing. I was pretty I close on that, anything. wasn't I? Yeah, you were. I'm so proud. <laughs> we forgot to mention one thing about the All-Stars tournament. Yeah, but nobody cares. No, I'm just kidding. Go ahead. <laughs> Apparently, the Go winners ahead. of this tournament are going to get an exclusive in-game armor. So that's, that's cool. I'm down. Yeah. Was that a data mine too? Was there a data mine of the armor? No. Or did there or were they just talking was, about it? Was yes. It was not that shaman. But somebody did do uh, somebody was oh no, I know what it is. Somebody's working on a an armor viewer website and they were pulling stuff from the file and found it. Ah. It seems to be not not significant. Take significantly and go like a step below it because it's morning and my brain doesn't work and that's how much it's changed. Oh, oh. oh my god, that's amazing. Um, let's hope that it has some sort of crazy like legendary armor effects and then that can be like their teaser that we're getting legendary armor, which I actually probably don't want because it'll make me gouge my eyes out trying to attain it, but whatever i would be okay with legendary armor legendary if there was armor. one for each profession oh because, mostly because i'm sick of trench coats you know what i want i want a legendary armor that you craft as a legendary armor box like you can do with some of the crafted oh, yes. armors not, so you just make it once in instead of making it six times i would yes but it comes in a box and it's not just one skin i would that would be perfect. Yeah, yes. That would be the best. Ain't it? I expect credit when this happens. <laughs> uh, and with that, we're going to roll our credits, which is to say that I am Grybok. You can find me on Twitter at King S T G R I B A C H, King Street Grybok. Um, you can follow Relics of Or at Relics of Or. That is O R R. Um, I'm going to assume that you probably know that if you're listening to this, but uh, you can also find the website at www.relicsofore.com. Uh, Evie, you you can handles. find me on Twitter at e v e e n u s. You can also find me maybe on YouTube soonish later. More on that later. And I am very very busy apparently. Working on an upcoming project for the YouTubes. And I just want to say that I am very excited and can't wait to be able to share all this work I've done with everyone all over the internet so that they can tell me how bad I am at storytelling. 
<laughs> All right, and Spirit? Uh, you can find me at, at Damviolas, D-A-M-N-V-I-O-L-A-S. Isn't there an underscore? Nope. No? Oh. I don't believe in underscores. Uh, that's fair. You know, it should just be a real score or nothing. Yeah. Um. <laughs> Sorry, I can't. <laughs> uh... Anyway, oh, uh, we didn't mention this. I'm going to go back in time. You can go to uh, vote for the PvP tournament at uh, surveymonkey.com slash s slash allstarsvote. Um, you can also access so. it from the with that, to blog off the main site. Yeah. Yeah, I'm sure you can Google it. I'm sure your Google foo is uh, up to up Because to we all know that you probably um, found so with this that, through Google, so kudos to you. Exactly. So uh, with that, uh, I'm going to sign off. My cats are destroying a bunch of paper in the living room, and it's very loud. I'm sure you can probably hear them pouncing now. Um, so, uh, yeah, well, we will we will talk to you guys later. Bye! I still wave every time. I know no one can see me, but it makes me feel better. That was another episode of Relics of War. If you'd like to get involved, you can find us on any social networking site such as Facebook, Twitter, Steam, and many more just by looking up Relics of War. That's Relics of O-R-R. Similarly, if you'd like to send us mail, you can send that to relicsoforr at gmail.com or go to our website, relicsofor.com, where you can record right there on the front page using our WordPress widget to put on a headset and give us your feedback. Or if you feel more comfortable with it, you can go ahead and just record the audio and send it to us as an OGG or an MP3 file. If you'd like to join us in-game, send a whisper to Cole, C-O-E-H-L, and Nexi, A-N-E-K-S-I, C-Squirrel-Run, that's a C, and then Squirrel, and then Run, or Spiritface to get in contact with us or join the guild. Last, we always love the comments, so if you want to go to our main site and start commenting on some of the posts that we've got or join our forums, you can have fun with that. If you listen to us on iTunes, you can find our page on the market and just leave a comment or a rating that you feel that we deserve. We appreciate that. We'll read them on the show. 